What's up, party people? Thanks for downloading our podcast. You can check out more of our episodes at facebook.com slash thishouseofcardspodcast or on iTunes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of This House of Cards podcast, an, an unofficial podcast about the Netflix hit show House of Cards. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with co-host Chris Husted. What's up, Tyler? What's going on today? It is it is warm. It's a warm evening. The thick of the air is bringing me down along with the end of this season. How about you? Yeah, it's pretty hot over here, too. Kind of got... Uh, some sweat stains to prove it. I'm sure people love to hear that. Ugh. At least it's audio and not visual. I think we can all be happy about that. What are you drinking this evening? I have an American classic, PBR. Nice, fresh and cold. What do you got? I am drinking a Yingling, so I guess we are going uh, cheap beer this evening. So cheers <laughs> to that. Cheers. Um... I I have a lot to say about this episode. I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, I the first thing I want to ask you before we really get into the kind of the play by play is like, were you satisfied? <laughs> or maybe I I want to yeah I want to ask you that at the beginning and then I want because I want to we'll revisit it at the end when we're talking about like the exactly how it ended. But I just wanted to hear like initially, did, were, did you come did you finish and were you like. Yeah, I feel like that's a good wrap-up to everything we've been through this, like, been carried through this season. In short, no. I feel <laughs> that's the short exact like same way. Exact okay. same way. Okay. Uh, can, okay, so, okay. Uh, we're on the same page. We'll, we'll get there. Let's break right into this. All right. Um, okay, we're, so we're opening with this scene in which Frank is, like, breaking the, the faucet in the house um now i assume that this was basically symbolism to just kind of show how on edge he was about stuff and kind of not his calm usual self did you kind of get that same impression i i, I the first thing i wrote down was faucet what does this signify <laughs> so mm-hmm. i yeah i i was at, at this point at least in the story uh of this episode that's what i'm thinking he's just frustrated things are not going completely as planned and he is stressed out to the max specifically because of this uh tusk situation well i mean he's kind of been breaking things in the kitchen for the past few episodes we also saw him break the the cereal dish or whatever i don't know what his problem is with getting angry in the kitchen (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh clearly he's um not as um confident in his plan as he has been in the past and i think that's because tusk is a little bit more of a um a more of an adversary he's more on frank's level than some of the people we've seen him deal with in the past i think the closest we've seen so far is the the school union guy who you know it took him a while to break that guy but this guy i mean was pulling the strings all along and frank didn't even know anything about it right he was Um, the man behind the scenes so Frank, in his effort to basically undermine Tusk, because we know that Tusk basically told Frank that he would let him be, he would give Walker the nod to, for him to be VP if Frank kind of gave him a blank check and was like his pawn, basically. And so Frank didn't want to be in the pocket of anybody, and so his plan was to basically undermine Tusk instead. So he pulls in Remy, and him and Remy have this discussion about um, how it would be to Sandcorp's benefit to stop Tusk because he's going to be... 
you know, he has investments in nuclear plants and stuff like that, and how basically Sandcorp should do a hostile takeover of some of Tusk's properties, and it would just just enough to scare him and tell him, like, make him kind of fall into Frank's hand. But I was thinking during this, like, why would Remy do something for Frank at this point? You know, I right. Frank tries to like sell it to him as you know, you need to do this because Sandcorp needs this, but. Even Remy's like, eh, we don't really. Like, we, we can figure something out. You know, Frank, for all his um, positioning about, like, you need people to owe you favors, he then burns bridges and tries to come back to people, and it doesn't always work for him, you know? Yeah. Um, so, poor strategizing there. Now, so that's plot one. Let's talk about plot subline two, which... I've, I'm going to just go ahead. And, I'm talking about Claire and Jillian here. And I don't know if you felt the same way about this, but I was like... I felt like this whole plotline was just like, okay, so this is what season two is going to be all about, is right. this lawsuit that they're going into. That, that could be it, because that, that, and that's a great way to describe this episode in general, setting up for season two. But oh, I agree. Was... I, I mean, at the, with this storyline I didn't care much about, it, it just, I had no investment in this, uh, in that narrative at all. Right, and so just to unwrap it, we have Claire and HR basically saying that Jillian is accusing Claire of firing her because she was pregnant and making some specific comments about, you know, not wanting to work with a pregnant woman or, or whatever, which Claire did not do. I mean, that, that's legitimate that Claire did not do that. But um, we real, I mean, later on, I can, I think we could say that like Jillian does have some legitimate complaints against Claire. Sure, yeah. So um, I'm not going to ask you yet, but I want to talk about who you think is kind of on the right side of this. Okay. Um, so that's subplot two. Let's talk now subplot three, which is Zoe, Janine, and Lucas. So we have them kind of digging into the whole Russo story. Um, they want Zoe and Janine want to get Russo's arrest record from the police because you know they had found out that he was arrested on that night with the hook or whatever. But they don't know how to get in, so they need to. Re- they realize they need to talk to some DC cops, and of course, conveniently, Lucas has some contacts. Yeah. Uh, before we go into Lucas's thing there, I, I, I do want to point out that this this has quickly, in the past three episodes, become my favorite storyline. <laughs> and also, I love these hush-hush uh, clandestine meetings that the reporter's having in, like, stairwells, like, quietly in the back of the room. It, it, that, that, this is exciting. I, I like them trying to uncover uh, this uh, uh, corruption. <laughs> I absolutely agree. You know what? I, I like Janine so much more than I liked her at the beginning. Hell I mean, yeah. I felt, I felt bad for her at the beginning, but I also felt like maybe she was a little bit hostile because obviously she was like the old school reporter and Zoe was the new school, so she was hostile towards Zoe for obvious reasons. I mean, Zoe ultimately kind of got her, you know, fired or, or sw- you know, switched to the Midwest or whatever. Um, but I like Janine a lot more than I, I thought I would. And I like Lucas, too, a lot, actually, too. I mean, I like this whole little reporting trio. Zoe's growing on me. So, I agree. I, I like this line, and I liked um, what Janine said about the DC. She said, this town is way too incestuous. <laughs> like, when, once she figures out that uh, Zoe's banging um, Lucas. <laughs> Lucas, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's funny, because it's, I mean, obviously, very literally, it is incestuous. But also, I mean... Metaphorically, I mean, everyone is in bed with someone else as far as, you know, shady deals go. You know, from exactly. the police chief of the DCPD to the president to the vice president to Frank to everyone. Precisely, I agree. So, of course, Zoe decides she's going to, like, ask him right after they have sex in bed. <laughs> that was a funny scene, That too. was. 
Zoe's trying to learn how to be a grown-up, but she still is doing things at the wrong time and very obvious, like asking him post-coital, hey, so you got a hookup? Well, that was kind of a frank move, too, like the kind of manipulative thing. And he even calls her out on it, like being manipulative, and they kind of talk about whether or not he actually meant that thing he said from last episode that he loved her or whatever. I don't feel like their relationship is deep enough for him to be thrown around the love word yet. But, no. I mean, maybe we just haven't... He seems to be jumping the gun, in my opinion. Um, especially because at the beginning, I did not... I mean, in the first few episodes, I did not see their relationship going there. They did not seem like they had that kind of dynamic to me, but maybe I was just oblivious to it. Did you feel like that at all? I don't know. It didn't really strike me like that. Anyway, I care a lot less about their love plotline than I do about their reporting plotline. <laughs> I agree, yeah. I mean, I could grow to like that if Zoe starts to open up and become a little more of a fully developed character, but she still lacks that. I mean, I, I like her more as a character, but she's still not very fleshed out. She was mostly, she started as kind of a shell or like a symbol, and she's slowly kind of getting filled in, but it's mm-hmm. it's been slow. Um, but I do like Lucas, and I really do like the scene where he comes back from the DCPD after this, and like you were saying, like he shuts all the windows, he like pulls her into like, I think he like turns the fan on in the bathroom and like pulls her into the doorway, doorway and it's like, it's very covert. And he basically says that he doesn't have anything on Rousseau, they have no information on Rousseau, but he was able to find out about Rachel. So that's the, the big scoop. And of course, we knew we kind of knew it would come back to Rachel because why else would they have kept her in the story up through now? Right. Uh, in the meantime, we have Frank basically trying to, to talk uh, Linda into giving him, or like to bring Tuscan early, earlier than Friday, because he wants to like have this conversation with Tuscan. He wants to like put pressure on Tusk. He just wants to be in the position of power. And so he's like trying to talk Walker into like bringing him in for. A dinner, and we see this conversation between Walker and Frank. That's like Walker just seems really pathetic, where he's like asking Frank what he thinks, and then Frank makes that comment about the like someone you know so well. I mean, the public knows so well. It was yeah, just... <laughs> yeah, that was, that was funny. But it, I don't. I think Walker well, didn't flinch though. No, he didn't. But I, I still, I feel like Walker's kind of stupid. Honestly, <laughs> I don't like. I feel like he's. It, they're, make, it may, they're making it, at least me feel like he's totally Tusk's pawn and everything. But um, anyway, so he... Frank talks him to invite... So it's like, it's either Tusk's pawn or Frank's pawn. It's like, he doesn't do much for himself. Because we even find out later that some of the other stuff that, you know, Walker had done was basically all Tusk's ideas. And so... Um, Frank basically pushes him into inviting Tusk earlier to the White House for, like, a dinner. So Frank can, like, do his, his power play thing, basically. He wants to have a conversation with Tusk in, in advance. Right. Um, but in the meantime, Remy tells him that uh, this whole meeting, he's like, with Sancorp isn't going to happen in time. You know, it takes more time to do this. And so Frank is suspicious of that, so he's going to go meet up with the CEO of Sancorp in person. Right. In Atlanta. So he flies out to Atlanta, and it doesn't really go so well for Frank. The CEO is no. kind of pissed about it. Right. He. He. I mean, he, he's he's game enough to get in the car to hear him out, but you know, like a couple blocks down the street, and Frank giving his pitch on why they need to help him out and get rid of, uh, uh, or help help him get Tusk's. Um, was it by? Oh God, what were they doing? 
with Tusk's uh, uh, energy deal. They wanted them to like start taking, like uh, start buying out some of the stock in some of his nuclear companies or whatever. So that way, that like he would, even though it was only like a third of his fortune or whatever, he's he doesn't like not being in a position of power. So Frank thought that like maybe he would like back off and like focus his attention back on his businesses or whatever, right? And but concede. Yeah, CEO is having none of that, and says, "You drop me off at the corner." I'm out. I kind of like seeing people that like Frank has to be submissive to, you know, totally. like in this scene where it's like because it's rare. And it's like I mean, he kind of, and so he genuinely is like on his knees, kind of asking, not begging, but like pleading with this guy to do this, help help him out. Uh, when whenever Frank is some okay, so in other circumstances when Frank is uh, talking to the president, let's say, or uh, someone else that's kind of up there and in power, he is. Doing it in a manipulative way. This is him outright just asking for a favor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're right. It's it's a nice dynamic because we're so used to seeing him kind of con people or manipulate people or something like that, and to have to see him kind of beg for something and not get it is it's a little it's bit rare, satisfying it's because good. it's yeah, rare. It good. Um, so it doesn't work out for him. He has he's basically forced to return home. Um, a new faucet is waiting for him once again. I mean. I don't know really the symbolism of seeing the new faucet come. Maybe like his fortunes are turning in one way or another, but it didn't, I, I don't know. Or he has um, all the pieces now. I don't Yeah. But we see a little bit about... Um, we see him and Claire together a little bit more than we kind of have seen. You know, We see that their relationship is kind of back on track, it seems like. Um, Claire, but they're both having dreams about... Russo, which I think was an interesting scene. They're ta- Claire is having dreams about Russo's kids, and Frank is having dreams about Russo himself. And we're not really clear whether or not Claire knows what Frank did, but just right. obviously she knows that they were involved in what led up to his suicide. Which this is alleged suicide. Absolutely. And I didn't. Do they say outright somewhere that Claire's Lady Macbeth? Type figure, or were you the one who, or did you say that? In the last I, I mentioned that in one of our things, but I, I had seen that a few times. That uh, she's a very, she's very Lady Macbeth esque. Yeah. She is, and it's, it's you know we kind of have a lot of Shakespearean They're, allusions or allegory kind of going on in these, don't you think? Absolutely, uh, especially. I mean, I think we're going to go into this right now. But when uh, Frank goes to the church. And has mm. that whole monologue that he uh, delivers. That was so Shakespearean. Absolutely, and I really liked that scene too. So, um, but I was like, so, "Why?" Is... You... Anyway, no, go ahead. <laughs> um, so, like, right before we get to that, we have um, Remy basically show up at. Didn't he show up at Frank's house? Right, and. Yes. Um, he pretty much gets pissed at Frank and says, like, when I was working for you, you didn't give me any attention. I didn't get anywhere working for you. You just made me feel like shit, and I got out and realized that I had my own worth or something. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a little bit interesting that, like, Frank created this monster. monster. Or he created, yeah. So it's like kind of like Frank's creation that's bringing him down, I think, is an interesting irony going on here with the whole Sandcorp thing. Um, but he says, you know, I never learned anything from you, and he kind of gives... I mean, clearly he holds some he holds some resentment toward Frank. He doesn't have any like nostalgic feeling of when he was on Frank's team or whatever. Unlike a guy like Stamper, who clearly is very loyal, um, Remy does not feel any of that like lingering loyalty. 
Um, but Remy says he'll stri- still try to push forward with the Sancorp deal, although Frank still kind of is not right. trusting Remy. So you're right. Let's jump ahead real quick to this. Um, oh, before we get to the church scene, I want to say that um, we we see Linda and Frank meet very briefly to talk about this whole thing about like getting the meetings with Tusk off the official record. Right. And we we Frank also tells Linda to set up a meeting between Birch and the president, but then leak it basically, or he leaks it, I guess, to Zoe. Um, so he's uh, like. This is really smart, though. I feel like I know, this is very conniving. I like I like this kind of the chess match we have going on here between Tusk and Frank. I really did like that about this episode. Totally. Um, so, so I did like that, and how he basically he sends the email to Zoe, and Janine ends up publishing it, and so basically Birch gets bombarded with like VP talking and everything. It was cool to see the chain go, you know, because yeah. it takes it right through the cycle right there. And then, and then, of course, the president's super pissed off that, like, people know that the candidates are Tusk and right, Birch, right. apparently. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and Tusk like, is super pissed. Yeah. When the president's like, who's responsible for this? Is it, and she, who, you, you know, you need to bring them in. She's like, it's already taken care of. Because Frank asked her, do you have someone you could burn mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. scheduling or something like that? Damn. Oh, like, yeah. People are so expendable. That, All, their lives oh. are also their jobs. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I mean we saw that earlier with um, what's his bodyguard's name? Be- Beach? No, Beachum? No, Meacham, 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 Meacham. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just how like it was like no big deal to fire him, and then like yeah, why not hire him back? You know. And for this guy, it was like everything. Right. So. And now, well, yeah. Also, okay. So let's talk about the Frank in the church scene real quick. Um, this was a very. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Tell me what you thought of this scene. My, my first thing, so Frank goes to the, the church, and it looks like he's going to, uh, he, he really walks up to the, the front of the church, the, um, not really the altar, but uh, up toward the front, and my first thought of this is, what is God's role in Frank's life? It seems like it isn't a role, so, like, or God isn't a role at all, except for the facade of trying to go to church so, you know, people vote for him or something like that. But yet he has a whole conversation with a whole slew of people, uh, alive, dead, well, dead deities, all sorts of stuff. And it's just, it's all over the place. And this is where I felt very, it felt very Shakespearean to me. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. And some of the lines he had in here about like telling God that like you've never spoken back. I guess we hold like a mutual disdain for each other, and then when he like looks down to the devil and is speaking to the devil, yes, oh my god, I that mean, was amazing. That was awesome, and then like he he hears like a sh- like a sound in the church, and he's actually like Russo. He's, I mean, yeah, he's like Peter. Is that you? And it was like for someone who seems so very logical and like not Grounded. like it almost felt like he was kind of making fun of God and the devil like he clearly didn't believe that at all but then at the same time it was like he had the fear of some sort of supernatural force right right I mean and he said right. before he doesn't believe in luck and stuff like that and so it's kind of contradictory but I mean maybe there's still a little bit of a fear in him that he hides you know um, but of course that's, it's only the, just that's like interesting a, well I, I'm hope, hoping they go into that more in uh, season two because that is something that we need to um, um, explore a little more with him. Flesh out, yeah. And I like, he gives us this line about how, no, there's only us, 
the worst small solitary striving creatures and he goes this whole thing about how he he only prays to himself for himself it's very oh yeah i, I don't know that it's down. kind of like very frank it's very frank and it's very capitalist and it's very the American dream. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You want? I mean, these are your freedoms and you're responsible for you. And yep, absolutely. Yep. At this, I'm the more we learn about Frank, it's like it does not make sense why Frank is a Democrat. Clearly, it's just like for show because like this is like almost libertarian what he has going on here. Like he. I'm surprised he believes in government at all, really. The only reason he believes in government is, like, when he has a hand in government, you know? Sure. But I feel like he's he's pretty... He's pretty radical. He does not... I don't know. But, I mean, that, that's not his persona, he, or his public persona that he's portraying, you know? It's true. It's true. And I guess that's a big part of what, like, the point they're trying to make is, like, how... Re- and, like, that's even what you said about, like, you know, the church going Mossad, that, like, for so many of our politicians, it's so obvious that, like, so many of them just go to churches for show and everything. And, like, even when he did that in um, Gaffney or whatever for that, that girl's death, it was, like... He it, he made it such a mockery the way he like gave that really emotional story and then like turned it in the middle to like turn to us and say like I don't really mean any of this you know yeah yeah exactly it just it shows what a mockery he makes of it and everything so I right. that's just probably my favorite scene of this I liked it a episode, lot too I, think. I, I still mm-hmm. like I was a little weird with it just because the entire time I'm like why is he here if he doesn't believe in God like what what is the purpose of him being here is it so he's seen. <laughs> By more than us? Because it's really no one there, and he's just talking to us for the most part. This is what I think is... um, We had talked about... you know, So he says early on he doesn't believe in luck. But at the same time, I think we mentioned later on that he does bring luck. Like, he says something like, there's nothing I can do about this. It's only luck now, or something. I don't remember if that was last episode or the episode before, but it's like, he kind of contradicts himself. And here, I think, is another example of his contradiction in the sense that, like... I think maybe he likes to believe that he is the only one in control, and ultimately he he has it all in control. But at the same time, he has to acknowledge to himself that there's some things he can't control. And so, I, I don't know, I think there's still some part of himself that believes in, in the supernatural, and especially because he's having these dreams of Rousseau that are kind of haunting him. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I could see that, I, yeah. Um, I'm interested in how this plays out in season two, like you said. I think that there... I, Right. I see it coming back. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it, the final scene in the church when he's leaving, what do you make of that? And do you want to talk about it at all? Or I mean, when he goes to the candles, um, he lights a candle, mm-hmm. and then he blows all the candles out, and then he even blows his own out. What What was the point of that? What does that mean? I just took it as him being like a fuck you to this whole super, like, yeah. to this whole church stuff, like... Right, I, or maybe it's. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to respect your tradition. I am my own god. Look at how you know. Just like God can smite a village, I can just blow out all your candles in like yeah one foul swoop. I, I think know? that's what it is too. Like because he lights a candle, maybe you know because you light a candle for a prayer for a person for something, and then like you said, like he is maybe thinks of himself as a god, and then he just goes and blows all of them out, including his own, saying maybe he's you know, in control, and he is a god in his own eyes. Like God, he creates fire, he extinguishes fire, you know? Right. In the most, like, fundamental sense. So, a good imagery there, though, and like we said, oh, that scene had all sorts of interesting stuff going on with it. It was very Shakespearean, I think that's a really good analysis of it. I did like it, and I thought that um, Kevin Spacey was phenomenal Great. in that scene. Mm. 
Um, so back to plot B, the one we're not a huge fans of. Um, Claire is back with HR. Jillian doesn't want to settle. Um, she wants to go to court, which kind of Claire doesn't really understand what's going on. Um, Claire goes to go see Jillian. And this is where I was like, okay, this is definitely what season two is going to be about. Because Jillian's basically like, you know, it's uh, all you big charities just take all the funding from a small charities. And I contacted your old uh, secondhand Evelyn and she told me about how you just fired everybody. Which is what we like. At the beginning of season one, we were like, what's the point of us watching all this firing and stuff? So I guess it was set up for part of the setup for season two. Right. Um, and she was saying, you know, I want national attention. Um, this gives I, me a platform. Especially because, exactly. And so all that I felt was like, I was kind of not that impressed by that whole scene. Or by Jillian. The girl who played Jillian's acting was kind of iffy. But the part I loved was at the end when she takes Claire's hand and puts it on her pregnant stomach and like that was Robin crazy. Wright's face at that point in time it was that yeah. was intense yeah that, that was, was awesome. very intense yeah I still didn't care really either way on it but that was definitely a very emotional scene that was the only if that was the only reason to watch that scene really yeah. for me because otherwise it's just like okay we get it this is all exposition setting up for season two is what mm-hmm. it felt like um, in the meantime, Zoe, Lucas, and Janine are hunting for Rachel. We see Zoe like talking to a social worker at a school, it seems like, and basically discovering that um sounds like Rachel was like molested as a child or something like that by, by her, her father, father, but she didn't want to but she didn't want to testify against him, and so she ran away. And so that now we kinda know her whole story and how she got into the whole prostitution and everything. But so it kind of gives Zoe and them an idea about like where to go looking for, I guess her band of or like the prostitutes that she was in a group with or part of the brothel whatever <laughs> prostitute right. she was connected to or had you know and knew so that kind of gives them a lead on her finally right. um, and we kind of see this the couple scenes of like Lucas hanging out at this bar kind of watching this because like, they, yeah they put it together like wherever Rachel was or wherever they got picked up or, or was right around this this one bar hotel Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Lucas goes and yeah, he scouts it out. He sees how the men there how, when, how they try to yep. pick up prostitutes, and and he sees the he holds the wad the, they hold, they hold a wad of cash out and flirt a little bit, buy buy a girl a drink, and so he he, he learns it. So he goes back the next day. I loved the, I loved how he was like he kind of sweet talks her and he tells her to close her eyes and then he puts a picture of Rachel. In yeah, he was great. That that he was it was good. great to see like Lucas in action as a reporter like. Seeing how he was, you know, how, how he's a good reporter. We've seen Janine in action. She's good. We've seen Zoe in action. She's pretty good. Uh, and now we get to see Lucas and him put, put his moves on and, and get some, uh, see how he gets his big stories and got to where he is. So that, that was, and I he, liked it. That was cool. And he's smooth, too. He's like, yeah, he, don't make, he, pretty, he poses, he's posing as a cop and he's like, I don't want to pull out my badge and make a scene. Yeah, that was And great. so she, she folds and tells him where she, where Rachel's waitressing. And so, like, Awesome investigative stuff. I think last yeah. episode you were like, "This is real deep throat shit." It's like, yeah, it's, totally. it's pretty cool to see. Good. I, I do. I, I'm liking this subplot too. That was really cool. Um, in the meantime, Claire is pretty shaken up by the whole baby thing, and so we see her kind of hint at it with Frank, and she's like, "When one of us dies, what will we leave behind?" And he's like, totally oblivious. He's like, "Well, I'll probably die first, and you'll have everything." And she's kind of like, "Well, I'm talking Not about what when I we meant. both die." <laughs> yeah, and he. Just doesn't, what I'm saying he, just is doesn't, baby. 
it just doesn't connect for him at all. Right. Which is kind of it's kind of funny. That's almost it comedic, like the dynamic there. Um, but then she goes to a gynecologist or OBGYN or, or some sort of fertility. prenatal doctor or something. Fertility, yeah, yeah, yeah. fertility doctor. Yeah. Right, and um, one thing interesting we learned is that she's had three abortions in the past. Right. And so it's not even like they didn't go out to have kids. It's like they made sure they didn't yeah, have kids. Yeah, they so it's like, actively made the choice when it happened. Multiple times. Right. Multiple times. And so very, I mean, they've taken some serious I mean, preventative measures. then again, we, uh, they could have been with other people. Who knows? Maybe That's true. Really I mean, implicitly said that it's they're frank. They were franks, so maybe that's Adams. an excellent. That's a very good point. Very but good point. Interesting. Obviously, we can you know it's implied that it probably is him. So I felt frank. like they were franks, but yeah. I don't, yeah. Like, what if Frank's impotent? Oof. Well, the fertility doctor says pregnancy is still possible. Um, right. It would just if, be if difficult. he's a good. If he matches all the criteria, but ooh, how funny! We, not funny. That's not funny at all. But like, so what if Frank is impotent, and that's why he didn't want a kid? Now this is getting really weird. I I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. That's weird. No, no, no. It's okay. I I think that's a, that's an interesting point. But I think that I honestly, it seems like part of Frank's personality. I think he's pretty much confessed yeah, to us yeah, that he's yeah. just not a kid. He's just not a kid person, right. and I don't see him. Mm, okay, well, is there any more? I want to see if there's any more talk about this because I want to ask you a question. Da 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 da. Um, at one point, we see her almost right out, straight out ask Claire. Oh, okay, so let's jump to the very end. Um, just because I want to talk about this real quick. At one point, Claire is about to tell Frank something. And oh, yeah. And we assume it's going to be she's going to tell him that, like, you know, the doctor said I could still have babies, but she chickens out. And right. she instead asks him, like, what happened to the rower? Because he broke the rower earlier. And I was going to say, what? So uh, it seems like they're setting something up for season two. Yeah. Right? Let's. And so. Yeah. I'll, I want to come back to that because I have some notes that kind of talk about that scene, but that leads into the final scene. Okay. Okay. So we'll talk about, like, predictions for season Right. Like, season yeah, exactly. Days. Yes. Okay. So, um,. And in the meantime, back to Frank, we see Stamper and Frank see that Sandcorp stock is rising and don't really, and basically see that Tusk is buying out Sandcorp instead of the other way around. And so they're kind of they're taken like, by oh, surprise. Snap, what do we like, do? But it's pretty obvious that it's like Remy basically stabbed Frank in the back, which like after that conversation we saw at Frank's house, it's not surprising at all that Remy did that like. He's going to do whatever is best for his client, right? And certainly he owes no favors to Frank or doesn't feel like he does. So Frank wants to meet Tusk um, in person. And that's an awesome scene, too. But let's wait one second before we get there. Um, so Zoe and Lucas go to Rachel's restaurant. And Zoe walks into the back and just steals the contact list or right the, off the, the into wall. Into the kitchen, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very intrepid. I like these. Um, I like calls... that they're working as a team. That's kind of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. she and they're they're both kind of like mutually. They're kind of like impressed by each other. Like she's impressed that he was able to get that information from the prostitute. He's like impressed at her ballsiness for like going in and pulling it off the wall. Zoe tries to call Rachel. She hangs up on her. So she texts her and says, "Unless you want to be in my article and you want me to say something about your debt, or no, she didn't say that yet. But she says, unless you want me to be, in, you want to be in my article. Um, you better you talk to me with me. Yeah." 
And so we had this very shady scene meeting in the rain, and I almost thought that, like, Zoe was going to, like, meet Stamper in the rain, and he was going to kill her or something. Like, it seemed very ominous for a minute there. It did, yeah. Um, I was worried that she was by herself, or I thought she was. Right, because that's kind of how they made it seem. Um, but Rachel stays on, you know, Stamper and Frank's team, and she says she doesn't know anything more. The police took her in and let her go. I didn't know that she was staying with Stamper and Frank on this. I thought she was actually, because they don't, I mean, it it seems like she may come clean or, you know, talk to Zoe and be open with her. At least, that's what I was led to believe in this scene when they meet in the rain. You know? I agree. and, And then she doesn't really divulge much, though. She just says... no. It surprised me too And like She pretends she doesn't know the names She pretends she doesn't know Frank's name She pretends she doesn't know Stamper's name Um And Zoe even tries to like Kind of plays it I mean Dirty And brings up the father thing And Rachel pretty much just says Fuck you And leaves I mean She says Like she's like I'm gonna gonna write the story about You you and Russo She's like Go ahead bitch Yeah 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 and, she, and then she then she gets in the car with Stamper, and we know that Stamper knew about this the whole time and everything like that. So right, that surprised still, me. I was like, oh wow, okay, she's still like like you said, she's still on Team Frank and Team Doug. Well, but Doug is really kind of taking care. Sure, of her, so yeah. it kind of makes sense, you know. Right, he helped her kind of stop being a problem. I mean, even though she was threatening them initially, he found her a nice place to live. He found her a job right. when she got fired. He got her back. I mean, he's been really he's been good to her. I don't but, think that Doug can. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I say we see that. She jumps in the car with Doug, and that she's still on that team. But then, lurking in the shadows behind Doug's car, there's old Lucas on uh, Team Zoe and Team Janine, and uh, getting the plate number to see who it is. Yes, and so we do know that they had a little bit of a team, more teamwork going on here. Um, also, I in the scene, that. we see Rachel skip back in the car, and Rachel's kind of like to Stamper. She's like basically stressed out about the whole Russo thing. She's like, I didn't know he was going to die or whatever. And then Russo, or, and then Stamper says, you know, I didn't know that either. Did you believe Stamper when he said that? Because we talked about this before, like whether or not Stamper knew that Frank was going to kill I don't Russo. think Stamper knew. Because the way Stamper reacts when he finds, like when when Frank showed up the like episode or two ago and said, whatever happens in the next 24 hours, We're, you know, we don't talk about we'll it. We'll never speak of it. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right, too. I, at least, I kind of like Stamper, and even though he's kind of like Frank's henchman, I still... I feel like, because of the way he's treated Rachel and stuff, I feel like... Right, he's a great like, character, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to see what happens with him next season. I agree. I'm glad that he's still around. Um, in the meantime, we have Frank kind of still stressing about this whole Tusk thing, and... He's also he kind of talks to us for a minute about like still being haunted by Russo and he's he basically says like time would have killed Russo anyway I did I just helped speed it along Which he's kind of like justifying it in his own head <laughs> it really is well and this is what we said too is like he could have just I mean the writers could have easily just made had Russo kill himself too so I mean I guess they needed this to haunt Frank to a certain degree. And it may, I'm assuming this is going to go on because it, otherwise, it, like we said, it didn't make sense why they had Frank kill Russo unless this is something that's really right. going to... He really was the only part. fleshed out character that we had. Mm-hmm. We're really, obviously, we went over this before, Very not very happy about losing uh, him. Yeah. I still don't see the point in it, but yeah, maybe it'll be uh, uh, more blatant in uh, episode or season two. All right, so let's talk about my second favorite scene in this episode, which is where Freddie or um, 
Frank gets a call from Freddy and ends up meeting Tusk at Freddy's, where Tusk is already eating a plate of ribs. Love and it. I thought this was an awesome scene. It was such a power play by Tusk that somehow he found out like where Frank's rib place was, got there before him, got the dish, and like pulls a Frank on Frank again. It's he's a, he's a good adversary. He's a strong guy. Um. And he even says something along the lines of like, I wanted a place where you'd be comfortable or something like that. And it was such, it was so smooth. I thought that was, I just thought this was super cool. This was and a like great Frank's scene, clearly, yeah. Frank's clearly uncomfortable about like having the tables turned with him. And like, I'm interested to see if Frank keeps going back there after this because it's now it's like they soiled his spot, you know. Right. Um, but Tusk admits to buying shares of Sandcorp. This is the uh, this is the uh, climax of the episode too. I mean, this is it's been building up to Tusk versus uh, Underwood. Frank. So this is this mm-hmm. is where we're climaxing. That's what she said. <laughs> and then we we have Tusk give this monologue about opium wars, and just like I don't know if that was just demonstrating like very kind of um, guerrilla power battles I mean what did you kind of take from his I, I, yeah I, I just kind of I don't know I think it was just a power uh, like look how smart I am look at what I know and I mean he he comes out and tells Frank exactly what the blank check he wants is finally he says that he wants this uranium from China for his nuclear right. plants but trade tariffs in Congress are kind of blocking that and so Frank has influence in Congress that Walker doesn't, and that's actually, we find out why, why Frank didn't get Secretary of State is because they needed his influence in Congress, and Tusk was the one who made Walker not make him. So we just, we're really realizing just, like, how powerful Tusk is. He's, yeah. sur- he's surrogate president, or the president is his surrogate, basically. He's, he is the Wizard uh, of Oz. Exactly. He's the, ex- excellent. He's the man behind the curtain, and so um, I liked the whole. I thought. I, I mean, I even wrote in the margin. This is a great scene. Just this whole dynamic between the two. Yeah, it is. And and you know, um, Tuss says something like, "You're a man who has a reputation for pragmatism." And I and I liked how Frank's retort was, "I'm also a man who has a reputation for avoiding indentured servitude." I just thought yeah, that was, like, was so tight. And then the the, the the entire time this is happening, I'm like, oh my god, who's gonna cave? Who will cave? Who is gonna cave? And Frank stands strong, and Frank walks out. So I thought that was pretty pretty badass, right? right. Um, and Frank tells Tuss right out that like he wants them to be equals, and uh, that's he's he doesn't want he's willing to do things for Tusk, but he wants to have an equal partnership in it, um, and, and he wants to. He wants them to earn each other's loyalty and it be more than kind of like a manipulative relationship, right? Exactly. And then this... But Frank does Then this... Or, yeah, anyway. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say that the scene kind of ends, at least I felt like it kind of ended with like me not really knowing where it was going to go. So right. what was your feeling at the end of this scene? There's, right. There's still tension there, but it, at least more of the cards were out on the table for both of them. Mm-hmm. Like this is probably the most open they've been and honest with and honest they've been with each other. So, again, like, I didn't know what would happen ultimately with the VP bid or, or uh, recommendation, but at least they came to some more of an understanding with each other, even though it's definitely not solved, and there is tension for sure still there. Right, right. Um, so we really, like, we're not entirely sure how that was resolved, and I think they do that on purpose. Um, cut to uh, Luke and Zoe and... Um, Janine, 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 
sorry, Janine. Um, still the bit like debating why Russo's involved. Uh, basically, they they unravel the whole thing, and they're able to determine that, like in like thirty <laughs> seconds they figure it out. <laughs> I know there's a lot of like c- conclusion jumping here. It's like Russo could only be involved because of the bill, and because of the bill, Russo, maybe maybe Frank didn't actually want Russo to succeed. He wanted him to crash, so that way Matthews would have to take Pennsylvania, right? And then he could be vice president. It was like the most ridiculous. It was so ridiculous, and the way like you you just said it, but what they're like, but but uh, Underwood wanted. Uh, Russo to succeed. He wanted him to succeed, and then Zoe goes, "Unless he didn't." <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was like that was a, like a Sherlock a Holmes moment or something. It happened when, like, for all the effort they put into like them very sneakily unraveling this thing, the conclusions they jumped to at this point were like, "Okay, we just took this long to get from like the fact that there was a prostitute to like." The fact that she knew Stamper because of the license plate. And you went through all that whole thing of reporting where you, like, had to talk to another prostitute and you had to, like, break into the kitchen at the restaurant just for you to find out, like, ten conclusions in the span of ten seconds. I thought that was a little bit of a cop-out. Again. But I guess we were running out of time here, so... Right. They did what they had to. Um, So I think that's kind of the end of what we really see with them That's, this right that was the end of that which kind of, that kind of pissed season. me off a little bit but just because it seems like you know okay they figured it out like you know let's get, like, go get them well and let's just go ahead and say now that we're close to the end that like that's how I felt about a lot of these storylines it's like yeah. we stopped right, right before the final mark on it it's like we took them right all we took them all up to like the edge of the precipice and then we just stopped at the edge right because it, okay it feels like the, so, the season finale should be now the next episode I agree, I agree. But it's like, uh, well, we're really close, so let's not quite jump there yet. Right. We see the President, Tusk, and Frank. Uh, Walker invites Frank, you know, says like, little did you know, Tusk and I are actually old buddies. <laughs> it's like, it just makes Walker seem that much more stupid. And I was like, <laughs> shut up, Walker. <laughs> I know. And then, of course, for a minute I thought Frank was going to say no. Like, it was going to be some strategy where he's going to actually, like, I thought that was going to be the twist. Is like, he didn't really want Vice President or yeah. something. Yeah, oh god. <laughs> Um, but no, of course he says yes. And so, Mr. President, we, I would be honored. But they keep us in the dark as to what his deal with uh, Tusk is. So we don't know if he's in Tusk's pocket or if they're or if partners. Tusk is going to have to figure it out later on or if it's still awkward and there wasn't an agreement. Who knows? We don't know. Regardless, I, I'm predicting that Tusk is going to have a big role in season two and that's going to be a lot of what it's going to yeah. be about is this power play between I think Tusk you're right. and Frank. Um, so Frank's in, on, you know, Cloud Nine. He rewards Meacham by saying he's going to take Meacham along with him to the Secret Service for all his mm-hmm. loyalty. Frank and Claire have, like, this victory moment where they hug and everything, and that's the scene in which Claire almost tells him about that she's right. infertile and decides Well, when he him. walks in, Claire has fixed the faucet. I thought that was telling. What did you think that meant? I think that means Claire in the upcoming... So, so Claire fixes the faucet, but like you said, like they're having conversation, and she's on the verge of talking about the meeting with the fertility at the fertility clinic, and or with her doctor, and but she won't come clean about it. So she's probably thinking this is not the right time to bring it up. But she then tricks him into running with her, 
and he, you know, he didn't like to exercise to begin with, but she got, she talked him into the, the row machine, but obviously now it's broken. She's like, why don't you come running with me? So I'm thinking this kind of shows that Claire handled the faucet situation, meaning she's going to be much more of a, a manipulative, constructive person as far as uh, um, uh, Frank's storyline is next season, as well as she's she is getting him on board with her stuff, meaning like getting him to go running with her. So I find that kind of fascinating too, that she's now got him to, she's, she's now getting him to do her activities, which is running. So I think she's going to be much more manip- manipulative with him possibly next season. I thought that's what that showed me. Oh God, what kind of child would they have? I'm imagining like Ugh, an omen style worst. demon child. <laughs> um, yeah, but so... Did you think of anything with Frank going to run with her? I thought it was... I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. I mean, obviously we see a lot of a lot of the beginning scenes... Oh, okay, here's a theory I'm going to come up with. At the beginning we see Claire doing a lot of running. Right? We see her going through the cemetery, and it was in the cemetery, remember, that she saw that young couple and everything like that. And it was kind of like her solitary, peaceful thing with her music, and it kind of felt like maybe them going on a run together was like her opening their world to like letting him into her little protective bubble a little bit and taking him with her on kind of her personal me time kind of thing so I think that she, I mean I think that she's gearing up to ask him I mean I think the baby thing is going to come up in season 2 right. um, here's a question I had for you is do you think how do you think Frank's going to react to that mm, hail to the no I don't know I mean she's going to play it in would a be, good way I, I would guess a smart way She's gonna manip- gonna have to manipulate. I hope that she like plays him and like tricks him into thinking it's a good idea. It's like his idea or something right, like that. Yeah. Because I think if she was just to ask him straight up, he, he I agree with you. He'd be like, oh, hell no, I don't want any kids. I'm gonna be vice president. I don't have time for kids. Yeah. Which I don't know how eager I am to see a uh, you know premenopausal woman wanting a baby storyline. I hope that doesn't get too not in this world. Sappy. I, I I agree, especially with such a strong female character like uh, Claire. Like, I kind of lo- right. That actress Robin I mean, Wright is amazing. Why waste her? Oh, on she's a force. Like well, and I kind of feel like I love the fact that like kids were not a part of her life. That she was ambitious. That she was like the ice queen, but that was kind of cool. Right. I don't, a different character. I don't, a different woman. I don't like seeing this more touching side of her we see that enough with other characters you know other female characters and so maybe she'll change her mind i don't know right (laughs) um but i i agree i hope we don't get too caught up with that in season two um in the meantime also while they're on their run stamper's trying to call frank and like the season ends with the fucking phone ringing when they're out running. running and it's 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 ominous and it pissed me off and i wrote cliffhanger with a frowny face and all capitals, I was not happy about it. Right, this, this, like we said earlier, this was like an episode that was setting up for the season finale. This was not a season finale episode. Super irritating. What do you? What, what did you think Stamper was calling about? Just to tell Frank that Zoe uh, is onto him? Or? Yeah, I think. I, yeah, exactly. That's I think exactly what it was. Um, he's going to tell him that after Rachel tells Stamper what 
that Zoe asked about Underwood, asked about Doug, asked about Russo, he knows that Zoe's onto it. So, yeah, he was he's warning Frank. Uh, and I suppose they're kind of set, gearing this up for conflict in season two. So I guess now we're kind of doing predictions for season two. Obviously, we talked about the baby. We talked about the stuff. The thing about this is like they're kind of setting this up to be like Zoe versus Frank a little bit in season two. But let's just be realistic here. I mean, they don't. They only have predictions about like why Frank did anything. They don't have anything real hard on him. They don't. They didn't have Rachel's testimony for anything. She didn't give in that like the police chief let them off they don't have any real record that Rousseau was ever arrested they don't have they're just they have a lot of assumptions right now and so basically it seems like if they were just they can't publish how they currently have it because it's just like a whole lot of like who would believe what a nuts story that is about like Frank really didn't want Rousseau you know like just what we were talking about like it seems that whole plan is so ridiculous it just seems like such a bullshit story. There's no way they can publish it in its current state. They need somebody on the record against Frank. Right. So who do you think is the likeliest to betray Frank? Well, Christina's already kind of going that direction. They could get Christina to talk some stuff about what... Oh, right, right, right. And she sees something on the computer that's, like, horrifying to her because they are able to, like, trace the fact that Rousseau happened to go see that guy in California or whatever. But she's, like horrified by it and that was the episode before this right or was it yeah that was the episode, episode before this yeah. yeah even though like I don't know what she could have found on the computer that would right. have been it, it could be it'll be interesting to see who the person is I mean we could see Claire going that direction we could see you know who knows what Stamper could do if you know down the line because he seems to have somewhat of a soul where Frank which Frank lacks uh, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who who's going to be the one that's going to help uh, Zoe out or yeah. Team Zoe out, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but yeah, what? Yeah, it it is. I mean, it, it's going to be Tusk versus uh, Frank a little bit, but the the I feel like the underlying narrative is definitely going to be Zoe and her team of reporters uh, taking on uh, Frank and trying to take him down uh, with all the backdoor politics and obviously murder. That he did, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they find proof for that because it seems like Frank was relatively thorough, and no one is really right aware of it. So let's. Uh, so I, I mean, obvious plot lines we kind of know going into season two. We have Zoe and T- you know Zoe Lucas Janine versus Frank. We have Tusk versus Frank and that dynamic, and then we have Claire and Frank and the baby storyline, and we have. Claire and Jillian in court potential storyline. Is there anything I'm missing? Nope, that's about it. I, I wonder if Sandcorp will be a deal at all down the road, but it seems for now that they're kind of just, they're Us's. just floating around, they're kind of done. I mean, they could come back, but who knows. Yeah, um, and like, uh, I'm not sure how much the Stamper Rachel thing, if that's going to go anywhere else now, if that's right. kind of done. I feel like they've, and I mean, uh, Unless Zoe and them are able to get her to confess to something, she's kind of played her part now. Yeah, yeah. So I have a spoiler alert for which I read uh, for the uh, BBC series. So I want to bring it. Up. Are you going to watch it? The BBC series? No. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to watch the BBC series because okay. I don't want to. Yeah. Don't so keep list- this fresh. So. Right, listeners. Okay, tune out for like 15 or 20 seconds now because I'm going to say something about the BBC series. So, in the BBC series, Zoe's character dies at the end of season one. 
Really? Yeah. How? I don't know. I just know she dies. But I'm assuming because they took her out. Which is probably what could happen in that meeting with Rachel. Yes, that could have happened in the meeting with Rachel. I don't think they would do that in this series. And here's my reasoning. is like, Zoe takes us outside of the political stuff. And there's enough shows currently that are just like all within the political world. Um, and I kind of like how Zoe ties the journal, like political journalism into, you know, she takes us to a little bit of a different world. And like, we were just saying what a cool storyline that is about how they're kind of doing like all the, you know, meeting in dark corners and stuff like that to like root out the story and stuff. So I, I hope they don't because I feel like we would lose some, something there. Right. I feel like maybe, we, I, I mean, I feel like maybe Janine or Lucas could be expendable. I would hope not, though. I like them, too. Um, the other thing is... I just feel like we don't need that many reporter characters, and so it's like, why? I, I'm guessing that one of them is going to get killed, because why else would we... I, yeah, you know, the I obvious target would seem to me would be Janine, um, just because she's the one on the, like, who, on the surface has been kind of digging into Russo from the beginning. Right. But then you got Lucas, too, who would... His death would mean a lot more in Zoe's life. And could change her character. Right. And Frank is probably somewhat holds... You know, whether or not he would admit it, he probably holds something against the guy once he finds out that him right. and Zoe are not. Right. Well, that'll be interesting. Um, I, I do want to ask you about this. So this past season, uh, Emmy time. Who do you think uh, should be up for an Emmy nomination? I'm kind of surprised about what I, I thought about this, but... Well, I'll just say it. I... I actually I like Kevin Spacey a lot, but I don't think he did anything outstanding. I would disagree. I think that he really? deserves a nomination at least. I thought he was. Re- I love Kevin Spacey, and I do too. Yeah. I don't know. I I I I feel like he manipulated us as an audience, and that was impressive. And like yeah. the whole. Like monologues to the screen thing, and there's so many like all the defining moments of the season. My favorite scenes all involved him. You know what I mean? You know, I, I, I the more I think about it, yeah, it's because I'm holding Kevin Spacey to Kevin Spacey standard, which is like far head, head and shoulders above every other actor. So that's that. I mean, he, you're right. He should get one. I just don't think he's I, doing much outside of his character Midnight of in the Garden of Good and Evil, which is very similar. I, I haven't seen that movie, so maybe I should see it and I would feel the same it. way. Okay, I'll just um, have to check that out. And I looked up the actor's name so I got this right, but I definitely think Corey Stoll, who is uh, um, uh, Peter Russo, should get one. Mm-hmm. I think that, I, yeah, I think Kevin Spacey, I think Corey Stoll, and I, uh, Robin Wright, I was... Robin Wright's great. She's, again, very underused. Like, her storyline with the lawsuit stuff... Come on, man. She's such a better actress that you got you got to use Claire more than that storyline. Yeah, yeah. They put her, they stick her into crappy storylines with the charity stuff and with the Doug. mother stuff, and even the whole like I mean, relationship Doug, stuff sorry. with Adam. I wasn't a Adam. F- Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even like that. But my favorite parts with her were always like her at the gala, or and you know, or like her like with Frank, like saying how much she liked Rousseau, or like when in that scene when um they finally break the union and like. She, Frank starts bringing out food to all those people, and she's like trying to get that guy to come into the. Oh yeah, that was so <laughs> like, awesome. Yeah, she was great at that. Oh, my my favorite, oh, or the debate, like the debate on CNN or whatever, where she's like he's using her and stuff. I, all my favorite scenes with her are with 
frank about politics, right. not about a baby, not about the right. charity or anything. I do, I do also think she was fantastic when she went to Zoe's house and like walked around and like mm-hmm, looked at stuff and mm-hmm. picked at things and just made comments. Oh, that was great. See, and that's I think that we're coming back to that's the side of her that we like so much more than kind of a romantic, I want crab, a baby. sappy. This, this, the side of her that Adam likes. Yeah. Um, the one other person I think that definitely, I hope, gets acknowledged for doing such a fantastic job is D- Doug Stamper, who's played by Michael Kelly. I think he's great. And another person that I hope he gets a more, uh, a larger role in uh, um, next right. season because he's great. I don't see him getting a nomination for anything this season, but I do right. see, like, I hope the writers are like, this character has a lot of interesting stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And even, like, the little tidbits we've been able to pick up of him, there's, like, such interesting backstory between the way he cares for Rachel to his past, you know, that he's going to AA meetings and stuff like that. And I want to know, like, more about what his um, rock bottom was and stuff. And right. how he feels about the whole Russo thing. I feel like there's a lot to explore with that character. And as far as... As Zoe, Zoe as a character, or Kate Mara, she's good. But I hope with now the writers have kind of that character's kind of settled down, and now she could really get to work with that uh, kind of back uh, back alley reporter trying to get the story. And that's that's more of a, I mean, it's a little cliche, but it's also much more intriguing than her flip flopping around and being crazy, putting on Claire's clothes, but then. Or initially sleeping with Frank to get story. I don't know. She, she's still a little cluttered and confusing, but it seems like they're settling in with her now, so hopefully Kate Mara next season can really dig in a little better. She's, I think she's done a good job, though. She's coming together, but I think we, we mentioned this a lot of times, that it felt like for the first three quarters of the season, she was more of a symbol than she was an actual character. Right. And now she's kind of come into her own, and she has a lot more defining characteristics right. and stuff. So... I agree. I think it's much, much better. So um, that's all I have. Well, we obviously have to do our obligatory rating. Oh right. So Oof. what would you give this episode, my friend? Mm. I'm gonna give it a three and a half. Uh, just because I, I like that the where the the reporters, uh, the journalist storyline is going. That's been exciting. That them coming together. The scene with Frank in the church was fantastic. I liked the the scene of Zoe meeting Rachel and then Rachel hopping in the car with Doug, but then Lucas seeing the car like that whole that was, that was that sequence was pretty fun. So there was exciting things. I, if this was just a standard episode, I would give a three point five as a season finale, maybe a three, just because it's so frustrating that we're ending here, which it just feels like we're setting up everything for like a season finale like we've been saying so I don't know what, what, what would you give it I'm gonna go ahead and straight out give it a three and I'm gonna say that like I felt the exact same way as you I felt like I really liked the reporting dynamic I really loved the scene with Frank in the church I loved the scene with Frank and Tusk in Freddy's restaurant right. but despite all those awesome scenes the ending just was so frustrating I felt like the writers didn't give us anything new because it wasn't that big of a surprise that Frank got his way and got presidency, right. and we, we don't know. Like, if we, I mean, I feel like if we had known that Frank was in Tusk's pocket or something like that, if that had been more evident, maybe that could have been a, like a very slight twist. But there was nothing new here. Um, like the whole Zoe and them figuring out the whole presidency thing, I we wasn't that impressed would. by that. Yeah. Um, 
Obviously, all their reporting was going to lead up to something. The whole Claire plot line is just... We felt like a lot of exposition for season two. I, I feel like the, this episode was lacking... At least, like, give us something to, like, satisfy us. Right. <laughs> is it... What show is it? Was it The Killing? The first season... I didn't actually watch the show. Oh, The no, Killing. Was it the first yeah, season of The Killing where it's like you don't find out, out who the murderer is? is? Yeah. And it, like, pissed... At, it, well, I mean, it's not that bad. Right. But it's, like... It's not that bad at all, but it's like the same sort of thing where it's like, okay, we had this whole season of build up, and it feels like we it was like we went out with a whimper instead of a bang. Right? Because there wasn't like, a lot. Now, of now we have to. I I just would have liked a little bit of resolution somewhere, but I so I would give it a three. So I guess overall six and a half for a season finale. But okay, overall as a show, on a scale, what would you, what would you give uh, the show? I give it a four. The season. I loved it. I really did love it. I was frustrated with a lot of it, but I loved it. I'm going to give it four and a half. Wow. I mean, I know I, I'm a harsher grader on, on the nitpicky stuff, but I really, like, I enjoyed how much we've been able, had to talk about. And right. A lot, right. Like, look, look we, we just talked about how four of the actors were spectacular. You know, right. I mean, I think that's, there. this cast right. was not that big. Right. So that's pretty impressive. I mean, there was a lot to enjoy. So anyway, um, man. Okay, I'm glad there's a season two. I didn't. I think we didn't know after episode. You know, at the beginning, we didn't even know there was going to be more than one season. So I think we can be psyched about that. That we will be coming back. Right. Um, as always, if you have concluding comments, we'd love you to give us ratings and reviews and stuff on iTunes at This House of Cards podcast. Email us um, anything you want. This House of Cards podcast at gmail dot com. We respond. And like us on. We do. We respond personally. And you can like us on Facebook at This House of Cards Podcast. Um, we do also have another podcast. We have, It's This American Horror Story Podcast. Um, we did season two, um, and we're super psyched for season three. Um, and we also have all the same stuff for that. You can find us at ThisAmericanHorrorStory at gmail.com. We have a This American Horror Story Podcast page on both iTunes and Facebook. And we actually also have a website for that, This American Horror Story Dot com, but um, we admit that we're not quite sure what we where we're gonna go between now and the next season of House of Cards and American Horror Story. But we are gonna do something. We just need some brainstorming. We're gonna go off and uh, each brainstorm some individual ideas this week and kind of come back and power next week and narrow things down. But we will be announcing what we are choosing to do next on um, the This House of Cards Facebook page. On the This American Horror Story Facebook page and on thisamericanhorrorstory.com. So you can check all of those places if you want, or you can find out on Twitter. Where can people find you this week, Chris? Woohoo! I'm on Twitter at Chris Husted. Chris with a K. Tyler, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at TJMoss11, and that's where we will be keeping you all in the know. So please follow us there. Um, hope you've enjoyed this season. We really appreciated it. And, um, Man, it was a great season. I'm sad to see you I go, know. but I'm excited to, Me to meet you up, meet up with you again next season. Yay! All right. Any la- any last words? Um, what was that one phrase that they said? Uh, I forget. Never mind. Like, like you can well, walk was- away. Like we'll, we'll ignore you. Uh, it was kind of rude. And never mind. Forget it. My my last my last thing is love you guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're just two dorks that do this so uh, we appreciate the feedback that you've been giving us and 
yeah, hopefully you'll tune into the uh, next show we do. So, mwah. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Frank. In the church, he says, In this world there's only us, small, solitary, striving. I pray to myself for myself. Fart master, out. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I don't want to be your friend I just want to be your lover